Take the business structure as if you wasn't going to work at all and see how much everything costs. Have that structure in place and now you can literally plug in wherever it's going to either cost you the most money or something that you know you're the best at. This principle of success is called the Mastermind Principle. The, 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 the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. Podcast. If you're wanting to realize your ideas, goals, and dreams, and on the journey of masterminding your life, it's time for the podcast made just for you. This is the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. Let's go! Let's go. With Tolu Owoyimi. Owoyimi. Hey, 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 what's going on, my masterminders? Welcome to another episode of Mastermind Your Life. We got Trevor Passaberry in the house, business logistics consultant, serial entrepreneur, and stock advisor, man. Trevor, welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Nah, man, I appreciate you for coming on today and really dropping these gems with us and helping us, you know, because... The business consultant, I feel like, is extremely important because so many people, like, if you look at what's happening now in the community, there's an explosion of, like, entrepreneurship. For sure. Everywhere, people are getting into Airbnb, Shopify, they're getting into Turo, they're getting into digital marketing, they're getting into consultation, they're, like, business. Right. And social media is really opening people's eyes to the possibilities. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. So, you know, definitely thank you for coming on, you know, breaking bread with us and, and really, you know, diving into things. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, you know, tell us, tell us about your background. Like growing uh, up, did you have parents that were entrepreneurs? Like maybe mom was an entrepreneur, or dad was an entrepreneur. So that kind of gave you the entrepreneurial bug. Tell us kind of like from the, the beginning to like now you as the businessman and, and how you got here. So as far as I know, I'm the first entrepreneur in my family. Uh, unless you count my grandfather, who was a boxer. So um, my my grandfather, my my father's father, came came to New York from North Carolina to, to become a pro boxer. But he stopped after six fights. You know, once he got married, because his wife just didn't want to see him get beat up all the time. Uh, so my my father, I didn't grow up with my father. My mom has been working for the IRS since uh, since before I was born. So um, you know, I always had the mindset of I gotta go to school, get a job, uh, and pay bills. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm from the Bronx, New York. Um, I grew up on 181st, a block off of Webster. For those who know where that's at, and um, you know. I grew up like most people, you know, at least in that area, low income, single mother and uh, playing basketball, thinking I'm going to go to the NBA. (laughs) I'm six, five. So, you know, I heard it too much. Ooh, definitely. And, you know, what's awesome, too, as well is, you know, people say, you know, there's that nature versus nurture. So they're like, oh, man, no pause. Like you grew up in the Bronx, like. You're supposed to be out in the corner somewhere, you know, trying, you know, get the little hustle on. Like, oddly enough, when when I was a kid, sorry to cut you off, I wanted to. My mom only had like an eighty dollar budget for sneakers for me and my sister combined. So uh, it got to the point, you know, our sneakers was whack all the time, and my feet was going. So I wanted to sell weed so bad as a kid. And, but I just knew I couldn't because my mother, she just got a real good sense of smell. I'm like, 
by the time I learned what that smell was, I'm like, there's no way I could hide the smell in the house. My mother's going to smell it soon. She walking out. So like that was a, my mom's sense of smell was an easy deterrent to, to stay out the drug game. <laughs> yeah, man. Nah, and that's awesome because look, a lot of people they get into it and they don't get out. Um, For sure. So what 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 kind of got your your entrepreneurial bug like kind of like buzzing, you know, because a lot of people they don't get into entrepreneurship like until a lot later on in their life or some people mm-hmm. just never get into it at all. Got you. So basically my my senior year of college at University of Akron, uh, February of 2016, I dislocated my shoulder playing basketball. And uh, I hate taking pain medicine because it always makes me so groggy. So I I just stayed up as late as I could until I was just, you know, tired enough to fall asleep. And I'll never forget, I was sitting there and I'm like, Trevor, you got like $100,000 of student loan debt. So let's think about this. You about to graduate in three months. How you gonna pay it off? I'm like, best case scenario, you graduate and you make a seventy thousand dollars a year, but you graduate in May, so that means the first year you're not even gonna hit seventy. Mm-hmm. The next year, when you do hit seventy, a third of that is gonna be gone from taxes. So what you gonna do? And uh, at that point, I'm like, all right, you got engineering, that's your seventy. You could, you could, basketball is done because you, you know, you out of shape, your shoulder busted, and nobody knows you. And then three, you know, the other only other thing I really ever did was math tutoring. I'm like, you're not about to make an extra $50,000 doing math tutoring. So I was like, you got to learn about business and, and money. So that same night, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just start with what I know. So I was watching an NBA game. It was All-Star Weekend. And I was like, I'm going to just write down 10 things I would change about the NBA. And, you know, the first thing was like the open court foul rule. Cause I always hated that. Cause when we was kids, they always told us if, if somebody steal the ball from the point guard, run them down and follow them. So they got to shoot two free throws. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, the NBA, they get two free throws and the ball back. So it's like, you got to just let them dunk it or lay it up if, if it's a steal. Mm-hmm. So I, I hated, I hated that rule. I hated a few other rules. So I, I, I wrote down 10 changes. Then I, I was still, you know, I still was awake. So I, I added more to it. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning. Only thing on my mind was, yeah, I think I'm going to add more to that, that list that I had yesterday. And, you know, little by little every day, because I couldn't even write because my shoulder, I could only type. I would go to class just be thinking about, you know, that business plan that I was creating. I didn't know it was a business plan yet, but just kept thinking about it day by day by day after like three four days this thing started growing like it went from a list of 10 things to now i got how many teams is in a league and all this other stuff and it got to one point where i hit a i hit an obstacle i'm like trevor this is cool and all you learning but you don't got no money so how you going just you know make up a professional basketball league it don't make sense and something came over me like you know what Imagine if you won the lottery, right? Because that, that's what, you know, people who, who got a, a low income or poverty mindset usually think that's their best way to wealth is winning the lottery. So I'm like, what if you won the lottery? Then I'm like, or if you knew somebody that won the lottery, then it's like, all right, to make it more realistic, let's say you met Carmelo Anthony and just so happened to tell him about this idea. He's like, oh, word, tell me more. I like that. I, I want to hear more. I'd invest if it's good enough. So at that point, it tricked my, I tricked myself to say, okay, you got to be able to break this thing down enough to the point you're going to show it to an investor. Um, so at that point, I had to figure out where in New York I would put I would put the gym. So I'm like, okay, in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, in this area, I could turn a warehouse into a basketball gym. Yeah. My my engineering design background, I would with AutoCAD. I've been using AutoCAD since high school, so I was able to I was able to hand sketch a, a warehouse turn and um, 
you know, on one page, then the next page sketch what the gym would look like and put it on top. So like literally it's an AutoCAD drawing. Mm. Um, I was, uh, what else? Uh, I had to research, you know, all the different professional sports leagues to kind of see how they make money. And because uh, I'm like, if the NBA makes money these 20 different ways, that's how my pro league is going to have to make money. Uh, and when I hit that spot, it's like, OK, now at this point, you got to understand advertising. You got to understand selling merchandise. You got to understand um, licensing out your, your brand on, on other people's products. You got to understand, uh, you know, uh, insurance because all the all the athletes going to need it. You got to understand uh, ticket sales and all that other stuff. And from there, it's like, I learned so much about all these different industries. And, and you know, because it's just a hobby of mine, I was essentially self-taught, just sitting in front of the laptop all day. Um, long story short, at, at the end, the conclusion I got to was, you don't actually need millions of dollars to start this league. You just need to know the business owners that it will take to start the league. Mm -hmm. For instance, if the league needs uh, food for the players, you need one of the team owners to own a restaurant. If you need jerseys, you need one of the team owners to own a clothing business. You need a gym, one of the team owners need to own a contracting company to take care of the gym. So it's like, I, I literally wrote down a list, it's like, you know, 20, 30 businesses. And it's like, these are all the businesses it'll take to get the league going. So when I went home, I'm pretty much telling all my friends that I was cool with, you know, we will be chilling and I'll wait for that one little dead spot in the conversation. I'll be like, hey, let me show you something. And I'll pull out my book because it, it was handwritten and typed up. So I had access to it from my phone and I'll start, you know, talking it out and everybody would just start gravitating towards me, George dropping like, yo, how you do this? How you know that? People asking questions. Yeah. I'm explaining everything. So that gave me the confidence to know, okay, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And all these people believe me because it's like, I had, it was 30 businesses on there. So I had to talk to like 40 of my friends about it. And uh, I, st I still got the book written right now uh, with, wow. with that lead. And um you know, from there, it just became now I got friends telling me, yo, I, I thought about what you said. I want to do the, the media. I'm, I want to be the one interviewing the players after. I'm like, bet, start a media company. Another dude, like, I want to I wanna uh, have a clock because um, another thing I thought about was if I got a gym in there, I got to have other rooms in there where I'm able to monetize other parts of the building. Mm -hmm. So it's other people like, oh, I want to just run something else out one of them rooms in the back. Another one, like, I want to run, you know, this thing out, out of this in the back. I'm like, cool. Just start that business, start that business, start that business. And I'm kind of coaching them on how to start. Like, okay, this is how you get an LLC. This is how you started. This is how I started the business plan. This is how you, you know, do the books. And, um, you know, that, that, that was my, my, you know, confidence boost to saying, Trevor, you know exactly what you're doing. Um, next thing was I, I started watching uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins a lot like that summer after I graduated and his ads on Facebook were just <laughs> hitting me so I'm like you know what? I, I gotta go home and type his name into YouTube so that was like the summer of 2016 right after I graduated wow. March March of 2017 me and my wife moved move in together by April of 2017 we find out she's pregnant so wow. May, of, May of 2017, two months after we move in, I'm like, okay, Trevor, you thought you was going to have like seven years to get ready for this league thing, but you're going to need to start a business now because you got a child on the way. Uh, and I was watching a, a Dr. Boyce interview with Andre Hatchett. Uh, and Andre Hatcher was talking about the mobile notary business and all the perks of it and how to run it. And I'm like, this sounds dope. 
Uh, I'm listening to the whole interview and I'm sold. I'm literally about to go get his course and everything. And the next line out his mouth during the interview was like that, that the fastest growing small business industry in America was uh, consulting. And I was like, hold on. I got to I got to go take a test and all the stuff for the mobile notary and go drive to places and do all the stuff. I could start consulting people tomorrow, whether that's a, a online thing, just like how people was doing the interviews on YouTube or if it was me meeting with somebody. So that same in the same interview or maybe I think I went to Andre Page and watched a different interview. One thing he always talked about was do something on that first day that that lets you know you're making you know progress. I'm like, I'm gonna make the Instagram. I'm gonna buy the domain name for the website and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that that was that day was the start of Casbury Consulting. And I remember I bought my LLC like May 10th, like a few days before my birthday. Um, so that that's how, that's what got me to say, you know, learn business uh get my my confidence up and actually you know register the llc wow that's deep man i love <laughs> the fact that you you pivoted because that's such a dream to say that you know you want to have your own lead like that's right that's people that's used to look at me like i was a madman when i said that but other people used to look at me like what you majored in like that was like a, a question i always got like you majored in business or something like nah i'm, I'm an engineer <laughs> And you know what I've noticed? Uh, the people that uh, majored in these uh, math, math, um, mathematical degrees, yeah. they're always the best when it comes to business, when they get <laughs> into it, because a lot of business is about, at the end of the day, is about the numbers. You know, how much right. time is going into the operations, looking at your KPI, looking at the metrics, looking at the different components of the system and seeing okay how do they fit into each other and calculating a lot of things mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see the how, how did your engineering degree translate into business for you how's it helped you uh, so i would say my whole life i, I you know I, i've always been very observant right um, you know, I'm, I was always the tallest kid in the class, but, you know, even though I talked a lot, I had to listen a lot too. So if I'm not talking, I'm listening and soaking up everything. Um, and, you know, just growing up in the Bronx and playing basketball, that was my, that's how I learned how to like just multitask all the time. Like whether it was my mom saying, you gotta, you know, do your homework, clean your room and do this other thing. It's like, I'm gonna try to do my homework while I'm cleaning my room just to, you know, be efficient. Yeah. Uh, playing basketball is like, if I was the big man, again, I'm six five. So it's like, somebody set a screen, I gotta hedge the screen, I gotta call the screen, I gotta, you know, bump the dude that's trying to roll off the screen and make sure I'm communicating enough and see if there's somebody else behind me in case it's a double screen. So it's like, again, it's just attention to detail and remembering what happened on the last play. Mm. Um, but then when, uh, with electrical engineering specifically, um, there's like uh, logistics design or logic design classes, especially if you're doing like um, microchip design and stuff like that. And although those were not my favorite classes at all, I didn't even do uh, that well in the school. I was getting like C's and D's in those classes. It opened up my mind. Like you can actually manipulate all of these things to do whatever you want. And then we were find cases where it's like the answer is you can't do it. And then the next the next day we come to class, she shows us the new way to make it happen. So it's like okay, when it comes to this engineering stuff there's always a way to do whatever you want um you know it's just about is it gonna be efficient is is it gonna be too hot and you know cause cause uh the microchip to burn but from a logic perspective 
I knew I could do whatever I wanted. Also from physics. I took a physics course where um, it, it was an advanced physics course. So technically most people, you know, anybody that took physics, they know, you know, X is this way, Y is that way, and Z is like in and out. Um, but because it was advanced physics, he would like ask about question, like a, a point that's on one plane like this and another plane like that. And the way to calculate it, you have to essentially create your own plane that has both of those points on it. And then you can calculate them in reference to one another. Wow. So again, that was another class I struggled in, but it opened up my mind. Like you can manipulate physics, you know, in a question and do all this other stuff with it. So when it comes to business, I think about it the same way. So a lot of times where other people will kind of clock out like, okay, maybe this isn't an avenue to go through. I'll just keep beating my head against the wall thinking of all these ways to make it happen. Do I got to put this before that? Do I got to change this with something else that does the same job? And, you know, it, it just, you know, it taught me I can manipulate the circumstances to fit what I'm looking for. And if it's not working, I may have to just change what I'm looking for to something that I can manipulate as opposed to saying I can't manipulate to something I'm looking for. Um, so I think th th those classes, the logic design and, and the, that physics class def definitely uh, helped me in terms of logic and logistics consulting. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Now, it's, it's interesting because usually when, you know, back in the day, it wasn't cool to be smart. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> now being smart is the new thing. And I think, you know, social media has really especially enlightened the right. black race and the, the, the community because it was like, man, what you doing reading all that stuff, man? <laughs> like, but now and what we've started realizing is that, you know, entrepreneurship is where is that? Having right. multiple streams of income, being able to have generational wealth, like pass down assets like before like 10 15 years like who was talking about at, like you know that right. didn't even cross people's minds so you know when it when it comes to the business and, and, and consulting individuals what do you usually come across in terms of like a lot of the individuals that are uh, getting in contact with you like uh in terms in of mind. like their similarities or like flaws in, in their businesses flaws in their business kind of where their mindset is at um one thing is just uh most people plan the business based on all the things that they know how to do so it's like i can do you know i know how to make flyers i know how to market the people i know how to do this and that and that so they'll say i can do these five things so my business does these five things what i try to teach them to do is create the business structure as if you wasn't going to work at all and see how much everything costs, you know, and then have that structure in place. And now you can literally plug in wherever it's going to either cost you the most money or something that you know you're the best at, you know. So like my business, I try not to have to do everything. You know, sometimes I do have to do, let's say, like the email newsletters or something like that. But like <laughs> I, I don't want to have to post on four different social media pages every day. I could, but I, I don't want to. So I make sure I design the business so I don't, so I don't have to. Um, a lot of my clients, like even my own wife, she a publishing consultant. At one point, you know, she, she, her clients were building, so she was feeling good. And I'm like, yo, how many clients you got right now? 
She had three simultaneously. That was her first time doing that. She booked like three in a month. I'm like, yo, if you get two more clients next month, how you gonna be, how you gonna have time to edit all of these people's stuff? And she's like, oh my God, I can't. I'm like, so you telling me right now if the perfect client hits you up tomorrow, you gotta reject them or take their money knowing that you can't fulfill what's going on. I was like, and if you take their money, if you don't already have the structure, you know, as if you're not working, you're likely gonna undercharge because you don't know what it costs, you know, to hire somebody to do it. Uh, you know, so it's like a, a lot of a lot of businesses they'll not have it set up yet but they don't have a lot of customers coming in so they think they're doing well uh but it's like i don't know if you ever saw like the show bar rescue where he has them do the stress test but it's almost like that like imagine if you really got 50 clients that hit you up tomorrow can you get all your orders out no all right something's wrong with with the structure of your business so i think that's the the real key um because you know, if you just doing, if you just offering all the services that you could do yourself, you basically just created five new jobs for yourself and no business. You're gonna uh, run out. Exactly. You're not gonna be able to handle it. Exactly. And, uh, there was there was a real popular book talking about the inventor, the business owner, the CEO, entrepreneur. But it talks about like how most entrepreneurs work. They, they're almost like the business itself. So right. they haven't created these proper structures and processes so that they can decide if they have to, like imagine if something happens as an accident or- Exactly. Like what happens to the business? My thing, I tell him something, he's like, imagine you got allergies, but you got a business call. You want to be in front of your your ideal client blowing your nose and all that other stuff, or you just want to tell or outsource it to somebody else that you know can do the, the meeting. So that at the very least, you may not be in a position where you can afford to hire everybody to do it, but at least know who it is and how much they cost. So when you do have the money, you can hire them. Um, so that, that's my method is like, get it, just, just write it out. Just like my league It's like, there's no way your business idea is going to cost more than my pro league in New York city. So it's like, I, I know it's never a, a, a issue that's going to seem too big for me. And even, you know, because one thing about business that's interesting, especially if you're doing like consultation or you're dealing with clients or, you know, other human, like, how did you get the word out about your, your consultation business? What, what you, did you hand out flyers? Were you doing a lot of social media? Did you run advertisements? Was it mm -hmm. word of mouth? Like, how did you get the that pipeline of having clients come in? Right. So um, one, it, it, obviously, it started from me going around with that book, telling people about the basketball league. So you got to think like my 40 closest friends and, and frat brothers all knew about it at that point. So as soon as, you know, uh, a few months or a year later comes by and Trevor got a business consulting business, it's like all of them know. Oh, yeah. Trevor, Trevor knows what he's talking about. He showed me a whole basketball league worth millions of dollars and it's sitting in his backpack right now. Like he's the guy. So if they have any friends, they'll refer it. So most of it was word of mouth to start off. And uh, I'll be honest, it was rough in the beginning. It's like, cause uh, especially with logistics consultant, if you don't got to form a client already, nobody believe you. It's like, how, why would I trust that you know what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So um, my first client was actually my line brother. Uh, he went to start a theater company. Wow. Um, and he came right over to my house, put $30 in my hand and we sat and, and you know had the consultation but um you know it started off word of mouth uh over time you realize uh hey you need content you know and not just pictures saying what you do but like videos of you giving information so then i started doing those things but uh it's it's almost like a 
it's, it's always changing how I need to bring in clients. First it was word of mouth, then it was me creating uh, the videos. Then at one point I was DMing people, but I, I was trying to do everything myself. Uh, right now I'm kind of in a space where I'm, I'm trying to get it where more clients are coming to me. So I'm not trying to go out and fish for them, but um, I, I'm not as aggressive on it, mainly because my my big plan for Casterberry Consultant is to get into government contracting. Mm. So um, I, I work in construction management. I've been working in construction management since I uh, graduated. And um, in me with me working on a Department of Transportation project, I was asking questions because remember, I was an entrepreneur at the same time. So I'm like, how can the business that um, I'm working for or the company I'm working for, how how can they afford to pay me, you know, thirty dollars an hour if the state say they only reimbursing them for thirty seven dollars an hour? And then I realized they're not charging thirty seven dollars an hour; they're charging like sixty dollars an hour for your services. The state just saying, don't put that more than thirty seven dollars an hour is going to the employee. So when I learned that, I just kept asking questions. I'll finish my work being being in the office researching the back end of government procurements and everything and just learn the the whole process so right now I'm, I'm just waiting for minority business certification just so i have that leverage to uh you know subcontract on uh construction management projects because i think 25 percent of every new york city contract gotta go to women owned minority owned and locally owned businesses and um in order for in order for company bids to be accepted, they have to fill that uh, DBE uh, quota, uh, mm-hmm. or none of the people or none of the bids that are processed uh, have to have it. So uh, let's say if you know twenty bids come in for a project and none of them are able to fill that DBE quota, then they won't hold it against them. But if just one of them are, then that's the one that they'll take because they need to fill that quota. So I'm like. I want to utilize that because I know how and, uh, you know, w- once I do, I can just uh, at that point hire other people to do this kind of work. So um, when, when that comes into play, I'll, you know, I won't be doing as much consulting. I'll be consulting, you know, a large corporation. I have consultants on my staff meeting with people um, that are like small business owners and things of that nature. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one thing that's always interesting, like, for example, the lineman uh, brother that came over and he was like, he wanted to start his theater company. Mm-hmm. What is then the next steps, especially for people that are new to business? They're like, yo, I got this idea. You know, I want to do X, Y, Z business, but mm-hmm. I don't know where to begin. Like, do you tell them, OK, I need you to go get the LLC, EIN, like write your business plan? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you kind of take them from I don't know what to do? I have an idea to, oh, wow, my idea is making me money. Right. So um, what I used to do, because at that point, pretty much all my clients didn't have a business. They just wanted to start one. So I would I ran through what I call the 10 pillars of a business plan, which is like the, the big 10 questions I had to ask myself when I started my business. It was like, um, what product do you sell a good or a service? And what is your primary product? Um, who's your target audience? What's the mission of your business? Um, how many different or what are all the streams of income you can generate? Um, what assets do you need to start the business? How much will those assets cost? Uh, how many sales do you have to make before you are in profit? Um, what's your target profit goals? 
what certifications, insurances, and, and licenses do you need to start? And lastly, do you need a team to start? And um, if not, how would you expand your team, you know, as you start uh, profiting? So it's like, once once we're able to like come up with a, a, a firm answer for all of those and a plan, um, you know, the, the business structure is kind of set. At that point, you know, we get to that team needed and that's where I break it up into five places. It's um, legal. So, it, you know, if you're going to do something that's like music, that's going to have copyright and, and stuff like that and that you need somebody on the legal side, right? Mm. Uh, obviously, accounting, uh, marketing, admin, and uh, manpower. So th those are like the five sections of a business that I had all of them break down. It's like, you need to be able to write down where you would outsource everything. I was like, imagine your feet and your neck is broken and you cannot work you can only pay people like this is how we have to structure it from there they know literally okay i need these assets to start this is how much each one of them costs do i have the money if not make the money buy those assets and now we can start the business and go from there um if you do have the money we you know the next step is okay reach out to these uh the, the people that you would use to expand the team, figure out how much they would charge, you know, for their services and figure out what their schedule is. And then at that point, we would come up with like a, uh, it, it, most people know it as a standard operations procedure. I, I just call it your, your sales protocol and daily operations, which is like, okay, how are you actually bringing in the client? Like, are they coming to you through social media? Are they going straight to your website? Are they going, you know, is it a phone call? What? Uh, next is, okay, is there an intro consultation or are they just straight buying your product as soon as they get to your site? Um, so, you know, we, we literally break down step by step. When the client first sees you, what's the next step they do? What's the next step they do? What's the next step they do? And at that point they know, okay, th this is where my, my energy needs to go. It needs to go into building, you know, a social media, um, leads or building email leads or whatever it is so each business is different especially depending on the industry but um you know i, I had to break it up into very small steps so it's business plan then people that they're outsourcing to uh the assets needed and then you know bringing in the clients because at the end of the day you can have the greatest product but if you can only bring in one client a year you know you probably can't live off of it that, that's right that's right and now because that makes sense you know when you're first beginning write out a detailed a fleshed out uh business plan because it's going to help you understand kind of like what you have to navigate and what you really have to build in order to be successful right you rather be over prepared that makes perfect sense so for like the flip side for like those people now the question i had like people that come to you that already have established businesses yeah. what are usually the things they're looking for or that they need help with so that, that's basically all my clients now whether they're old clients that are more established or new clients already established um typically they're either looking uh to launch a new product or like or a new project um or they're looking to expand you know whether whether they're you know hitting a new target audience or something like that but still selling the same product product things like that um and I typically run through the, the first three questions I ask is what's your primary product or, or your customer acquisition product, right? So like for me, one, one line of clients, like if, if I'm going after just regular individuals, my first uh, customer acquisition product is my book, right? Uh, then there's a customer retention product. So it's like, what, what product do you have on the back end after they buy that first product that has them keep coming back, you know, whether it's every week, every month, every year, something. So even if you buy a car, you got to go in every year to get it serviced, right? So um, 
I'm like, you need you need a customer retention product because a lot of a lot. If you're able to bring in a lot of cl- clients, but you can't keep them, that's a waste, you know. Um, and then so th- those are the first two. If a cl- if they have an acquisition product and a retention product, you know, we come up with a plan to help promote it more and uh, you know fi- figure out ways to to make it more efficient. And then the last one is a customer creation product. So again, it's just my logistics brain. It's just like okay, imagine my best example. Imagine you sell oranges, right? <clears throat> and you done ran ads, did everything you can to put your orange in front of everybody in the world that says that they like oranges. So now. Either they bought it because they like your oranges and they keep buying it, or they don't buy it anymore because they don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do at that point? Do you go back to the people who said they don't like them and keep trying to feed them those oranges or what? And the real answer is you go to the people who never had an orange before, but you got to find a way to put an orange in their hand without them actually having to go in and buy it. So for instance, it's like, um, what, what I do is, if, if you was that person selling the oranges, I'd be like, go to the guy who sells pineapples. Every time he sells a pineapple, the person needs to get a, a complimentary orange with it. And it's like now all these people who never seen the orange, didn't know if they liked them, never tried it, they try it. And now they become somebody who either likes oranges or don't. So now you're literally creating, uh, you know, your audience. You're creating more and more people into the market for you to sell to. So um, what I do with businesses there is because you already have your acquisition product and retention product, uh, you need to find another business that you can insert your product in with theirs as a bundle that, you know, brings more value to their customer. Um, but obviously it needs to be valuable enough where they're able to raise the, the price of it. So you both are, uh, profiting. Uh, so, um, what I do personally is let's say it's a business who, who sells services. Like I have a, I know a life coach, uh, and his, and his, uh, life coaching, uh, packages, it comes with my books, uh, my eBooks. Right. But then it may be somebody else that sells a physical product. Uh, so that physical product may come with a free consultation with me, depending on, you know, what the product is. So it, it goes the same way. Um, even in my first book, I wrote, you want, uh, always try to give a complimentary, pro- uh, a complimentary good with your service or a complimentary service with your good. Because uh, it'll always either bring the client back or make them tell other people to start buying from you. Wow. That's deep. Nah, I like that. Um, what 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 aspect of business do you see that causes people to fail the most? Like, what's that one thing that you like? Wow, like if you don't fix this like right now, like you're not gonna make it next year. Like this is gonna literally collapse. Um, most people aren't willing to put in the time marketing or or put up the money to market. So it's like uh, you know. If you're not going to post every day, but you don't got the money to hire somebody else to do it and you don't got the network to bring in referral clients, then what are you doing? Like you can't just design a bunch of T-shirts, put it on the website or, or, you know, do have whatever product you want, you know, write a bunch of books, put it on your website and then expect people to just go there and buy it. Right. You got to actually have a story behind it and a reason why people buy it and a target audience. So most people don't put enough effort and thought into who their target audience is. And that affects, you know, how you're supposed to speak about your product and who you're supposed to show it to. Um, and until you figure that out, you know, you pretty much going to be burning through money. You know, you, you'll, you'll burn through money every day until you figure out who the target audience is and how to reach. Them. That's right. And that's the truth right there. If you don't know your target audience, then and you're going to get a lot of rejection, too, as well. Right. Because oh, the, 
No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna get a lot of people not taking any action. Yeah, and uh, the one thing I hate, uh, you know, we we all hear it is, uh, you know, you ask them who's your who's your audience, like who, who do you sell your product to? Oh, everybody. My product's for everybody. It's like, no, it's not. I guarantee you, it's not. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, it is not. And it's, it's interesting to see because when you look at Instagram, the most successful pages, the most successful entrepreneurs, like. They're very like that that bio, you know, it's very, 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 very chiseled, very precise, very right. point. I do this with people who do this, who have this. Right. Yep. I work with single uh <coughs> parents that have a hundred thousand dollars or more that they're trying to save within four years. You know, like very straight to the point. And yep. when they see it, they're like, oh, okay, that's me. Right, like, and then it, there's even other people who they may not be trying to save a hundred thousand, but they trying to save twenty thousand get a car. They're like, "Oh, if he could do that, I, I know he can help me with my thing." But mm-hmm. if you're not real detailed about it, they don't really know what you do, so they just, uh, I don't know. I'll I'll come back later, which means they're not coming back. Exactly, exactly. It, and it, that's the exciting part too, as well, is that once you finally, because this is a journey, you know, once you start getting some of the like audience targeting <laughs> seeing the right kind of people then like you said like how do you bundle xyz how do you create the acquisition how do you retain how do you it's like so many other components that over right. the time you know you, you build out and people think they need to sell you know 12 different products to 12 different audiences it's like no you could just sell your one product to you know 30 different ways you know what i mean exactly i think there was a uh, What's his name? Marty Woodward or something like that. Uh, uh, I, I, so, so, his name is Marty, something like that. Dreadlocks. Uh, he, he's got the page where all he does is like pit uh, text. But no, nah, I haven't seen that. So he's like a. Uh, I guess you could say he's like a, a coach or something like a business coach. Mm. But w- one thing that he said that uh, stuck out to me was that before you try to think of uh multiple streams of income how do you take that one business you have and transform it right into multiple services and multiple products from it because when you try to hop into another field that you don't know anything about right you're gonna get shot you're gonna get burnt like you're gonna have a rough experience <laughs> yeah i've been there I, I tried to um i remember once i started my first business i thought i was slick i i, I was I found out, you know, how much money New York City makes off parking tickets, right? Because I was just getting too many of them because of where I was living at. Um, there was just no space to park. Uh, like, it, it was like a four block stretch. Right next to my building was one more building. Then it was uh, a broken down, like old medical, you know, facility that like, it was gated and everything <clears throat> then it was a giant church then it was an annex to the giant church then it was the catholic school and then it was the annex to the catholic school so essentially for that whole four blocks on the front side and the back side you can't park you know easily because you know the school is there or the church is there so it was just and there's so many people living in that area somebody's gonna park there because nobody's just gonna drive around 24 7 so it was just guaranteed tickets and i was i wonder how much money new york city makes off these damn parking tickets new york city breaks its own record every single year in parking tickets. it probably didn't do it in 2020 because of covid <clears throat> but um <clears throat> if i'm not mistaken the last time i looked 
2017 or 2018, they made like $620 million a year. Mm-hmm. Just off pocket, just off pocket tickets. That's not moving violations or anything like that. So I was like, there's gotta be a way around this. I was like, okay, you're not allowed to write these off, but what if it was like a business expense? I'm like, how can this be a business expense? I'm like, what if you outsourced to another business where they took over the payment of your of your uh, tickets? And, you know, I spoke to my mom because she'd been working for the IRS for so long. And she was like, I don't really know that much about business taxes. I just know if, if they owe money to the IRS, that's how I go after them, right? So I hit my, my one of my frat brothers linked me up with somebody he know that was a CPA. And I go to his office, we talking it out, and we we literally writing it out on the, on his on his dry erase board. We fill up the whole board, and he looks at me and he says, "Listen, man, if you go to a company like Uber or something like that, or some taxi company with this, make sure you have them sign an NDA because you may have just found a loophole in in, mm. in, the, in the tax code." So I'm like, "Oh, I'm jumping on it quick." I start the LLC in Delaware and all this other stuff to get it done fast and cheap. And then realized, Trevor, this is a whole new industry. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm I'm sending emails to like cab companies trying to pitch them on my business. And it was like, Trevor, they don't they don't know you. Like, and, and a lot of the cab companies in the Bronx was was Spanish owned, so they didn't even speak English that well. So they probably just overpassing my emails. I'm like, okay, this was a waste. So I just I, I closed up shop and just uh, focused back on Casberry Consulting. But to st- to close to open a business in Delaware, course, you know, let's say. A hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, but the, to close the LLC in Delaware cost six hundred dollars. So, oh right? So it's like, yo, I should have never jumped into this. I should have tried to do it under Casterberry Consulting if I was gonna do it. And that was like my 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 time. Where I was just like, okay, Trevor, you got one business. Grow it as much as you can, and if there's ever another business you own, be a minority owner, so you you're not in charge of everything. Yeah, and I think that's nowadays there's so many what do they call it? Like uh shiny object syndrome. Right, you know? yeah, for sure. Everywhere, like ads popping up. Hey, you wanna learn how to start your own digital lesson? Right. You know, like look how I got this Lamborghini Like there's so many advertisements about how to start business. You wanna get into the Airbnb business, now I got 10 complexes in less than a year. Like I can do this. Right. Like, and it's gotten to the point whereby some of them are really good, you know, with the, with the marketing and, how, right. you know, the image and like how to, you know, create this environment where people see it and like, oh my God, like I got to be in that and getting people to take action. But one thing is that it helps to be that, that master of your own domain. Right. Like you said, if you wanted to, because the ones that's kind of why they're monetizing that area, because I'm not saying I know people's business, but sometimes they might not be making enough money or not too much. So they're like, all right, like, I mean, I got some testimonials. I got some screenshots. Let me whip, let me whip, let me cook something up. Right. Yep. When, when I say cook, they definitely going, you know, put their foot, <laughs> you know, give you that Showtime at Apollo presentation. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it's still that, area of expertise that they're operating within so that gives them that that extra momentum and leverage so that when they do come out it's wow okay i can do this i can do that um how do you advise uh clients that do you do you deal with a lot of um 
clients that are operating on in the online spaces or kind of like more brick and mortar? Definitely mostly online. I think actually I, the only brick and mortar client I've had so far is a spa in, uh, in Harlem. And uh, I'm trying to get them as a retainer client <laughs> as we speak. But um, that, that, that'll, if I, if I solidify them, um, you know, hopefully by the time this, this, uh, you know, drops on Instagram and everything, I got them. But if I, if I get them, you know, that'll be my first brick and mortar uh, a client. Nice. Nice. So, you know, as we start to, to, to move forward and hop into stocks, and because that's another hot area too as well, but I still wanted to touch on a couple of components because, you know, one thing that was interesting was, you know, the hustler books and right. even the thought that your wife is a publishing consultant. And for you to take that, um, like you said, she was like, hey, like you need to put a book out. But talk to us about the process of like writing your own book and like because it's like so many topics to choose from. Like, how do you choose what topic? And one thing that was really interesting was seeing how when people purchase your book, they also get access to that like consultation with you because mm-hmm. that then allows you to find out their areas of uh, what can be improved and you can pitch them on your services. Right. So um, with the book, basically what was happening was as I was getting more clients and getting better at my craft, you know, my prices were going up because I, I can't meet with everybody that was booking me. So, you know, what, what somebody told me was raise your prices and now you can get the same amount of money doing uh, less work. And I'm like, okay, that, that sound right. But now I'm kind of ostracizing all the people I, 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 I want to help, you know, because it ain't the middle class and high income people that I was really looking for to help with this. It was the people I grew up with and knew. Uh, so talking to my wife about it, I'm like, you know, I was frustrated. Like my prices is higher. So the people I really came to help can't afford me. How do I help them? She And her, her, oh, she always write a book write a book write a book <laughs> and i will always come up with excuse oh my my clients don't really read business books i don't even read economics books blah 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 <laughs> she's like oh they're boring i mean i'm like they're boring she's like all right so write one that's not boring and it's for your people and i'm like wow she made that sound easy so <laughs> and she's like you know she has something called the 11 steps to to publishing and the first wow. thing is figuring out who your target audience is and um she's like all right who's your target audience i'm like uh i don't know and she's like who's your clients and i'm like i got people that work nine to fives i got new entrepreneurs i got people in the streets you know all of those people have been my clients and i don't want to make a book that ostracize any of them and she's like listen you got to choose one i'm like but it's not it's not just for one it's for all of them it's for all the hustlers and she looked at me and she's like i think that's the name of the book i'm like i think that is the name of the book i'm a, i think we just gonna call it for the hustler mm-hmm. so that that's when the, the title stuck at the time she had poems or letters that she was writing and posting on ig uh, and they always started with dear nice girl um, so I had told her, yo, you already published your first book. Your second one, you could literally just collect all them letters together, you know, get like 50 of them, throw it in a book. Uh, and then, you know, you good. She was like, you need at least, you know, like 60 something pages to publish. I'm like, bet for, for each letter, just write like a passage with it that explain it. And then boom, now you got a hundred pages. That's a book. 
Wow. So th- that was her idea. That that was the idea going already, and she was going to call it the the I'm a Kosa because her name is a Kosa, so her her joint is I'm a Kosa. We she was going to call it the I'm a Kosa uh, motivational quote book. I'm like, bet. Next thing you know, I'm ready to write my joint, and I'm like, shit, I'm about to write one of the motivational quote books. <laughs> that that's out of my alley. <laughs> awesome. So I'm like, I'm gonna do fifty quotes, a passage, a story that go with each one, and then I'm like. All right, it's missing something. I'm like the one thing I hate is when, you know, you come up with a good idea while you while you listening to something or watching something or reading it, and and you don't write it down, and then later on you like, damn, what was that thing I was thinking of? So I'm like, I gotta I gotta put blank pages within the book while you're reading it. So while you read it, you flip to the next page and say, take notes here, and it's like, oh yeah, let me write that. So I used to tell people read the book with a pen nearby because uh, it's going to spark ideas. And people used to be like, what you mean with a pen nearby? I should have, looking back, I should have sold the book where it just come with a Casterberry pen. So maybe I'll do that for, the, for you know, I'm writing book three now, so maybe for the whole set, I'll do that. But um, I like that. <laughs> so it, it was with that. And then the last thing I was like, I need one more thing with it that that's going to bring it all home because my whole thing was how can i help you know my clients how can i attract future clients and, and where they they see value in the book outside of just reading it i'm like you know one big thing i was looking for at the time was like ad spaces spaces to uh promote my my business as well as my clients i'm like yo i could use the book as ad space because like th- this is the cover right here right so i'm like on the on the book i got you know, a, a hashtag over here. I got my IG, I got my face, I got my hands. I'm like, yo, in the book, I could just put people businesses. So what I did was, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had to I had to break it down logically. And I'm like, what can I put in there that will make people go to each business? I'm like, I don't want people to just look at one business. I want them to look at all 50. And I'm like, if I put, you know, a description of each business, not only does it hold up the time, because I need now all the businesses got to agree to it and give me a description and it got to make sense. But, you know, at that point, they got to kind of fit in with the information versus if I if I just put the name and and the website, it's such minimal information that people just like, yo, why is this here? And who is this? And it's like, right. And they're just like, oh. does this per- did this person write the quote or something? I'm like, nah, that's my quote. So they're like, why is this person here? I'm like, what person? And then they say the name of the business. I'm like, that's why. Because you know the name of the business right now. And I'm like, why do you remember the name of that business in particularly? And uh, my, my sister, she's like, because that's my favorite quote. I was wow. like, boom, there it is. I'm going to put just the just the business uh, website and the business name on, on each quote because that's enough to make people click each and every business. And when people buy the book on my website, they get the ebook right away so they can access the ebook while the actual book is coming in the mail. Wow. So when they get the ebook and they get and they get to the page or the table of contents and they click it, it actually takes them right to the person's website. So now you're just one click away from 50 black owned businesses. And at the time, it was hard to find a lot of 50 black owned businesses. For book two, it was hard for me to do. To, and I'm like, I'm I'm a consultant and it's hard for me to find 50. Wow. So I can only imagine how hard it is for other people. So I, I started realizing why, you know, Buy Black uh, and um, what's the joint in Atlanta? Like uh, uh, webuyblack.com. I'm like, now I see the, the need for them. You know, it was hard for me to find the businesses. So I know this this will change that. And um, so that that's what I went with. So I did that for book number one. And, you know, the other reason I wrote it and, and it came out well was 
instead of me having to try and convince people who was usually coming to me for $30 an hour to now pay $100 an hour for that same startup info that technically wasn't enough, you know, one that one consultation wasn't enough for them to like be ready to start the business right away. It was just enough for those 10 pillars. Mm. So it's like, I don't want them paying what it would have cost for three, you know, ahead of time and they just get in that one hour. But if I put it in this book, now they get, you know, years worth of information as opposed to 60 minutes worth and it's only $20 instead of 30. So as long as the person is willing to read, they get a way better deal out the book than coming to meet me. Mm. Um, so that that's what really, you know, brought her home. And then what I realized was after a while, all of my clients became people who already bought the book. So that's why I was like, but let me just force it to happen where now when you buy the book, it just come with the free intro consultation. Wow. And I just changed up my sales protocol. So it's like, you know, it's not like they buy the book and then got to sit with me for an hour. They just sit with me for like 15, 20 minutes. And we kind of figuring out what their goals are, where their floors are and what they need. Because some of them didn't need to meet with me forever. They just needed me to refer them to uh, a virtual admin or, or a marketing person. You know what I mean? Mm. So how do you, because now it almost seems like that's the acquisition tool. Yeah, the, for if, if it's for those startup clients who don't have a business or are very early in their business, then this is the acquisition tool. If it's uh, a business that's already um, established, that's essentially a new client. So I have a different line for that. So that customer acquisition tool is my logistics assessment. So that's where they sit with me for, it usually take about two hours and uh, we break down their acquisition product, retention product, creation product, what actions they're going to take to push those products. And then from there, you know, we go with uh, their target profit goals, how they're going to hit them and, uh, you know, what products they have to sell, how many they got to sell each week or each month uh, in order to hit their targets. Wow. So, because that's interesting to me, what, what tool, like, do you have like a website for like, hey, are you looking for a logic? Uh, are you looking for an assessment <laughs> for your logistical? Uh, like, how do you create the pipeline for those that are more established in business? And then what what gets put out into the arena to kind of because with the hustler book, I can see somebody being like, well. I want to start hustling. Okay, let me let me get the book, and then it's like right. they're on a call with you, and they're like, "Nah, I got the money." out. But how do you? What's the process look like for those that are more established? Right. So, it, it, one with more established businesses, you got two options. Either you got to niche down, and you only serve in a certain niche, right? And now it's easy to just speak directly to them. Uh, or you do like I was talking about um, with the customer creation product. Uh, you put your your product in with other businesses. Mm. So now, because um, the 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 whole thing with like changing up my business for more established businesses that literally happened this year. You know, it, um, where we would say ninety percent of my my clients, the business been open three or more years. So. I'm still kind of in the process of transitioning with that now, but it's like now when uh, people go get their books edited by my wife to make sure that they use the, you know, that they're able to monetize the book properly, they get a, uh, a complimentary, complimentary logistic consultation with me. You know what I mean? So it's like they, they still pay for it, but like it's within the editing price. Mm. So I essentially find other businesses in my network, whether it's clients or just other businesses that I've hired or outsourced to or that my clients have used 
and you know negotiate with them like hey you have this this product um typically it's a, a business it'll be other consultants where they'll they'll help uh a business create a a, a product as like to make sure or they may help them create content as like to make sure that they are able to monetize that content as many different ways and do it efficiently um have them meet with me you know what i mean and we could get it done and and you know i give them a little break on the price but um you know it, it's early as time goes on it'll just be uh you know these kind of interviews and me creating my own content and meeting with larger clients it'll just be people coming directly to me so at that you know at that point they'll they'll have to pay more but that's because I got to do all that first, you know, information. I don't already know that it's a book. I don't already know that it's, you know, a, a, a podcast or something like that that's happening. I got to walk in, see what you have, break it all down the same way the first consultant would have. So um, th that's where I'm at now. But it, it's the, the customer creation um, phase of my business. Nice. So I, I'm doing everything I'm preaching to my clients. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> Talking about business and let's let's talk about these stocks man that you got going on man let's <laughs> let's talk about as we start to wrap up let's let's talk about these stocks man mm -hmm. so what got you interested in the stock market what kind of books are you reading and you know because there's so much you know and we're seeing people like this day trading this swing this options right put like out of this whole like stock market you know universe Kind of talk to us about like your interest in it and kind of like where, where you at and where you plan on going yeah so um how it all happened was when me and my wife first moved in together you know we we had to save up the money in order to get an apartment and uh anybody knows something about new york city rent is high right so uh our first one bedroom was like 1400 a month which i'm sure sound crazy to most people um <laughs> right. right so uh we saved up let's say like uh, five thousand, six thousand dollars, or something. Put the down payment in and everything, and it was eleven hundred left in the account. And I'm like, and we had, we were saving the money in a high yield savings account because I'm like, if this joint take over a year to be um, to save up, you know, at least the money's growing. So that's why we did that, and we left eleven hundred dollars in there. I'll never forget. I decided, you know, let's just leave it for a year to see what happens, and you know. Uh, so that that following year, you know, once we got our tax returns, we started buying stocks. Uh, how we knew what companies we were going to buy is because that same time that I was doing the the uh, basketball league business plan, at some point I finished it, and I'm like, okay, Trevor, when you you got you got a business idea, let's say you make a million dollars, you can't just sit on a million dollars every day. Like you got to do something with it. What do you do with a million dollars? and you know doing the research it's okay you invest it you buy real estate equity or stocks so i'm like let's let's look in the stocks so I, by the time i graduated i literally had a list of 20 stocks that i knew i was gonna buy it was just i'll wait till i got the money so I, it took damn near a year but i had i had the money at some point uh and i remember um it was like i had navient on there because i owed student loans to them i had nike on there because i had a bunch of nikes and i knew that they had just won the contract um to do the nba jerseys wow uh who else did i have i had um 
I think I had Amazon on there. I had Square on there because I was literally using Square when I got my when I got my hair cut by the dude on the basketball team. I always swiped on the Square. Um, and, and pretty much anything I use, like JetBlue was my favorite airline at the time because they had the extra leg room seats. So I'm like, I'm, I'm investing in JetBlue. Um, but that, that following year after uh, me and my wife moved out, eventually I go back. It's October 2017, so the money done been in there for a year. And I look in the account, $1,100 in a year turned to $3 profit. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I could have did this in a day. I could I could turn eleven hundred into eleven hundred and three in twelve hours or less. That's a scam, that's <laughs> right? Robbery, man. That's right. Highway robbery, right there. And I was I was mad. I'm like, Cho, why the hell would you leave that money in there? You already saw the thing said point zero three percent. Why why you ain't just calculate on your phone and walk up out of there? And I'm like, whatever, man. So I, I went in there, closed the account. I never forget it was a it was an elder lady there asking me why I was closing the account. And I'm like, I'm gonna start investing in the stock market. Uh, Cause it's gonna grow much faster than this, and she's like, um, "The stock market is very risky. I don't know if that's something you'd want to do." I was like, "Oh, really?" Little does she know, April of that same year when we got our tax returns, we started buying a bunch of stocks. We had, uh, between Square, Jet, and JetBlue, because Navian was a bad investment because nobody could pay back their student loan. <laughs> but uh, between Square and JetBlue, we made like almost a, almost fifty percent of our profit back. I think Ooh. I wrote it in a book, but it, it was a lot of profit that. That we made back, so it was like, yo, y'all made me three dollars in a year. Like, give me a break. Like, I could have just went and asked somebody for the three dollars. No voice right now. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I, I closed the account and left. She, she kind of did me dirty. She left like thirteen cents in the account just so the account was still open. I think like she probably just would have gotten in trouble for closing an account or something. But um, you know, that that was annoying. But that instance let me know I'm not using that savings account you know, to save my money. So I essentially institutions, like man, be <laughs> right. Setting up plays in the back. Like, yeah, we got them for life. <laughs> so I essentially replaced my savings account with the stock account. And I'm like, Trevor, all you have to do is beat the bank. I'm like, the bank is 0.01%. So all you need is 1% and you don't beat the bank times a hundred. And when I was doing that, I would explain it like on Facebook to all my friends and my family. I'm like, yo, who here got a savings account? What bank you got? People would pull all the banks in there and I would just put up screenshots of how much $10,000 would make after a year. And it's like, your $10,000 would make $100. Can you turn $10,000 into $100? You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, actually it would be $10, not $100, it would be $10. And, uh, you know, people finally started getting it. So they started coming to me asking more stock questions. Originally, I didn't feel too comfortable doing the, the stock consultant because I'm like, my, my, what I know is limited. I just made money doing the little I know. Yeah. But it was really my ability to explain it to people in a way that they understood is what they really wanted. So I have friends from high school, uh, two of them that are uh, stockbrokers. I got another friend that's in the military that been buying stocks since he was, you know, 20 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm talking like Tesla stocks since he was 20 years old. We, he 30 now. Right. So <laughs> so I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, yo, people asking me to do consultations, but I don't know. Like, And they're like, all right, well, what kind of experience you got? What you been doing? I tell them they're like. Dude, you basically a pro. Like, you you know, you can't go tell people what to invest in, but the whole concept of replacing the savings account, that's genius. Yeah. I'm like, bet. 
so at that point that's that's how it all started people it was really just low-income people coming to me that had you know that was thinking about saving money let's say for their kids college and i would literally break down the math because you know i was an electrical engineer uh i would use a uh, differential equations i could literally cre create um there's a formula for um like natural decays but also like population increase and stuff like that okay. i was able to manipulate that formula for people's savings account and i'm like all right you're trying to save x amount for your child to make you know have this much money for the college i'm like how much can you afford to put in each month Doo -doo -doo -doo. type it in i'm like if you put it in your savings account this is how long it will take it was, you know let's say like 200 years or something like that Jeez. i'm like <laughs> then i'd be like or you could put it in a stock account and if you just make 10% or, or I think I started off like you just make 1% of this uh, uh 1% interest on, on your stock account that's a hundred times faster than this bank account you know what I mean mm -hmm. and it's like oh wow that that makes sense you know what I mean and, and maybe the 200 years sometimes it's said like 2,000 years depending on how yes. you know how much time so how much money people was trying to save up because you got these are people who only going to save you know two hundred dollars a month that ain't going to make you no million dollars or no six figures very fast so being able to break down that math in front of them too it was just like oh this guy knows what he's talking about wow. um and it, it is really just my natural knack for math due to engineering so you know problem solving skills and, and my, my math ability you know it, it was just it was meant for me Pe people kept asking for it and i just had to give it to them um and, and that was it so now what i did um i have a dude that i work with named evan jefferson what he did last year during uh covid was he said while all these stocks are dropping i'm gonna keep investing in stocks throughout the year and i bet you at the end of the year this account gonna say ten thousand dollars and sure enough, he did that shit. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy is a G. I'm like, Evan, I'm about to do the same thing next year, <laughs> but I'm not as comfortable as you. So I'm just going to do 5,000 because my audience is people, you know, at the time for stocks are just people with lower income. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to put in $100 from each check every two weeks. And um, this going to hit 5,000 by the end of the year because of the interest. And I told them, you know, because I did the research for my second book for the Hustler Volume 2, uh, The Investment versus The Investor. Mm -hmm. And in there, I talk about how every big stock market crash, the next two years after that crash is when it has the most return. So when you hear people say, you know, uh, crashes in the market is where millionaires are made, it's really in that two years after the crash that they're made. And um, so I, I just I just explained, like, it's going to turn to $5,000 by the end of the year. But obviously, if I'm only putting in a hundred dollars every two weeks, that's only like <clears throat> what uh, two thousand, twenty-four hundred dollars, something like that. Um, that I'm actually putting in over the course of a year. So I'm like, technically, I need this money to double to hit five thousand. So I don't know. Exactly. I don't know if you saw, but the account then hit forty-six hundred this month. Wow. So, <laughs> so I'm like, this thing grew faster than I even thought it was. So grow. imagine, like, and that's the power <coughs> of the compound interest because the right. more, more you're putting in there. Do dollar cost average to working in your favor My imagine doing that with 10 mil one Ex exactly mil, exactly like and the, and the crazier part i was taking profit off some of these things like penny stocks I, I was taking profit off of those and just leaving in i'm uh i was taking out my investment and just leaving in pure profit so even now like you'll see when i, I post it on instagram <clears throat> it'll be a red day and i'm like 
not happy that it's a red day but good thing everything on here is profit anyway so i'm not actually losing money mm-hmm. and then people like what you mean everything in there is profit and i'm like set up a free consultation castleberry.com like you know nah, <laughs> yeah nah, yeah that's I, dope just man battling savings accounts is how i got into that wow and a lot of people they don't they spend their entire life not knowing that yep. and they one thing too is inflation you know the right. dollar is losing its value so right. you need more of uh what you could buy for a dollar back in like 1938 get yourself a meal <laughs> right you get somebody a dollar like get that out of here man. right it's like a homeless dude might give it back to you yeah like hey you need it <laughs> <laughs> so man nah thank you for coming on dropping these gems man um the floor is yours right now like if people want to get in contact with you if they want to schedule a consultation you know they got an idea they got a business but they really want to gear it up uh to the next level and make it more consolidated and uh put more thought into it how, how can they reach you how can they get these books how can they get in contact with you gotcha so Right now, I have For the Hustler Volume 1 and 2 available at hustlerbooks.com. Um, and you can see it on the back here, hustlerbooks.com. Awesome. And um, when you when you buy, when you go to that site, you could buy For the Hustler Volume 2 or you could buy the set. Uh, once For the Hustler Volume 3 comes out, it'll be just Volume 3 or the set. They're also wow. available on Amazon. But if you purchase it on hustlerbooks.com, uh, you get the free consultation with me where, you know, we could discuss whatever business uh, floors or goals you're looking to reach. Uh, and same thing with investing. Uh, if you're looking to just set up a free consultation or looking to get a full logistics assessment for your established business, you can book a consultation at Cassaberry.com. Um, even if you book, even if you purchase the full logistics assessment there, we'll still schedule the free uh, intro consultation first, just so um, when we get to that logistics. Uh, assessment everything is already set up and prepared for you Uh, Mm because you know i I like to be as efficient as possible and uh if anybody's looking to write a book especially if you're an entrepreneur because i'm telling you these books have multiplied my business by three you know what i mean so um i'll write a book (laughs) most of my sales are books uh and when you if people bought the logistics cons, uh the logistics assessment before i was just putting the books in with it so if you already had the book now you got extra ones to give to people mm-hmm. so um if you're looking to write a book uh you need to go to my wife's website which is i'm a kosua that's i-m-a-k-o-s-u-a.com uh you'll get a free uh publishing uh consultation with her and she'll run you through the 11 steps to make sure your book idea is profitable and uh and you know usable wow welcome to the family business welcome to the very <laughs> family business right awesome 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 nah thank you thank you for this man so many gems were dropped today oh yeah and my and social media i forgot uh you can follow me at don underscore travolta that's d-o-n underscore t-r-e-v-o-l-t-a uh, you can follow my business at Cassaberry Consulting, and you can follow my book page at four underscore the hustler. I'm available on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Let's go, man. There you go, man. Plug it in. Is it? Take that, take that, take that, take that, take that. 
Oh man, oh man. And I love the fact that you're plugging wifeys into as well. Cause so many people have books, they have books in their hearts and their spirits in their mind. They have these ideas. They like, right. yo, I need to get it, especially in our community. Because when you think about it, like probably out of the books that have been published in this country are overwhelmingly of them, you know, white, these other races. But when you think about like people who have been through things, people that got stories, like right. think about like our situation. So like, there's a lot of books that a lot of people have on them, in them, and they're just looking for like, that the, the guidance so like right. how do i take this some people have even started writing on paper and like how mm -hmm. do i translate that and you know get this into existence for sure and um she, she'll tell you you got everybody got a story to tell and trevor will help you sell it <laughs> that, that that that's the thing uh so for sure and her, her latest book is called why every pregnant woman should write a book so when i say wow. she really she really talked that that she believed that wholeheartedly wow so that's dope i love that title <laughs> yeah I, i'll i'll be sending her your way uh shortly after this definitely definitely yeah we, for sure. we need we need as much publicity especially for you know entrepreneurs business owners and our community because a lot of people you'll be surprised where uh people will listen and they'll go purchase or they'll be like, yeah, I heard you so, so, and so weird. And I just wanted to get in contact because I had, I needed help with this. So, like, does that exposure getting mm -hmm. out there? Because that's a part of marketing is like, right. the more people that know you, the more chances for somebody to be like, okay, I need that service. Okay. I need to have a exactly. consultation to iron out some of these details I got in my head. For sure. For sure. Hey man, thanks again for having me on. I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I look forward to even watching the playback because uh, I, I, I just like your your interviews. <laughs> oh man, I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for Thank sure. You for sure. Look, at the end of the day, people all have gifts. And, you know, we're all God's creations. At the end of the day, so you know, I'm always excited. You know, to talk to entrepreneurs and people that are building and people that are trying to figure out this America, man, this is the great one of the greatest opportunities ever. And people that are, are building different components and, mm. and the creativity and the hustle, the drive, the perseverance. So, you know, I, I'm just excited to be. I'm like, you know, like I'm, I'm <laughs> these entrepreneurs. I'm, you know, and hear the stories you know hear the successes the failures and you know that's why sometimes i'm like man i need to figure out a way to get like four hundred thousand followers on instagram so i could pit the entrepreneurs on the bigger on the bigger pedestal you know yeah and one, one thing i did uh, sorry i'll keep extending it right i know you gotta go ahead, get go out of here but um one thing I, I always say is like entrepreneurs gotta be there gotta be an incentive right for entrepreneurs to do right by the community that they serve it because it's mm -hmm. like uh, if you work for a business, you can, you serve your community. That's dope. If you own a business or, or rather if you're a manager at a, at a business or something like that, you don't, you may not serve the community cause you're not working hand in hand with them, but you're able to hire people in your community to serve, you know? So that's mm -hmm. also dope. But when you own a business, you can actually serve and hire at the same time. Uh, so that's the way it all comes together. And then it's like, the only people you got to think a lot of business owners want to start stuff that they don't have the funds for. So they need investors. Mm -hmm. Investors are always entrepreneurs. I don't know many people that worked a nine to five for 30 years and then decided to become an angel investor. But it's like, how do you convince all these entrepreneurs to save up money and instead of spending it on themselves, put it to the side to become investors or people in their community 
And the only way to do that is you got to praise them and highlight them for the work they start doing in the beginning. That way they even got a plan to say, I'm going to put this to the side because one day I want to be able to, you know, help people out and, and shine light on upcoming entrepreneurs the way people did to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a tough road for me. My own mother was just like, you sure you want to start a business? You know, and she worked for the IRS and she asking me that. <laughs> so, but now she like, that was a good thing you did. <laughs> yeah, you got so, to show them. And I think that's just life. You know, you got to, people are going, it's when they see it. I think there was a meme. It's like, um, your support. And it's like one person in the in the in like the stands, just like you know, yeah. clapping for the person. And then when you get the results, then it's like the whole the stadium whole stadium is filled up. So Word. you know, it, it's it's interesting to see. But yeah, it's just that journey because that that belief and that faith and that you're investing that energy and I think. But the the best way is to you know deal with real people. You know, you deal right. with clients test out the audacity the authenticity uh is it authentic is it viable is this feasible and you right. know real people start talking and referring to the people and before you know you got something huffing and puffing and moving in a right. business that you know it's growing right and then always just enjoy the process <laughs> enjoy the blood curling process. Enjoy the process. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate nah, nah. the support, man. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time out. My masterminders, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast with Tolu Owoyemi. We hope you enjoy. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform and follow Tolu on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Keep mastering your life and we'll see you here next time.